20 minutes it is after 7 p.m. It's our wrap of the top business stories. And as I said, markets having closed two hours and 20 minutes ago at the start of this new week. Joining me on the line to make sense of the latest out in market developments. I'm joined by Snesipo Manindra, independent market commentator, analyst and CA. Snesipo, good evening and welcome. Um, evening, Aya. How are you? Diazaman, 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 Janwen. I'm good. We have no load shedding, so I'm happy. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? I well, think that is literally... literally look, man, that load shedding app is burning up my phone because I think uh, my load shedding is starting in the next hour. So by the time I leave here... But that being said, let's maybe start off, uh, I guess, interesting story I found here. Quite an ironic story, I must add, uh, from the Oppenheimer family out in Zimbabwe who are getting a bit jittery about somebody exploring on land they have held since 1937. Now, just to give some of our listeners context, 1937 was probably less than 50 years since the pioneer column went into Zimbabwe, took over the land of the... uh, Shona people, the land of the people of um, Ziligaz in Lobengula and others. Uh, and so effectively, I mean, close on a century ago, um, their sort of stay in Zimbabwe as the Oppenheimers at Shangari is very much intimately linked with the colonial exercise out in Zimbabwe. They are complaining now and saying, we've seen planes flying over, hovering over us that are effectively exploring for mineral rights here. We want that stuff to stop because this is where we you know, I guess rare game and uh, we uh, farm livestock and particular cattle and so on for export. So don't play like that. Quite a, quite the irony for a family whose entire, I guess, fortune has been made on the back of um, collusion with the state, migrant labor system, mining, you know, digging up many parts of this country. I mean, you know, a town like Valcom didn't exist before them. So, yeah, what do you make of this? The irony is not lost. Irony. <laughs> They've earned it since 1937. In 1998 was when the farm um, repossession happened. They somehow managed to hold on to their land, number one. <laughs> no, I, I, they were able to. Do you really think Zimbabwe, somebody would have expropriated the Oppenheimers? Just, just out of interest. But unless we're going to lose that little <laughs> great point. They could have tried sure, that great sure. point. They were able to enforce their land rights in Zimbabwe. With all the things that go wrong in Zimbabwe, they were able to. I, I, I was just like... Not how believe, not how believe. And you believe, Hishem, because at, a part of me is low-key impressed. And then another part of me is, hi, guys. <laughs> and I mean... A, part, a small part is low-key impressed. I mean, small, small part. By the way, Snesipo, I mean, it shouldn't surprise you if you think about who the money bags people are for ZANU-PF. A lot of them are white Zimbabwe yeah. nationals. I mean, Billy Rotenbach, you know, yeah, if you think about yeah. some of these, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not surprising. I, I know, but it, it, it just, every now and then they want to unearth to, to re, rehab, rehabilitate the economy. And the argument they use in court papers was that the mining will destroy the environment and not allow them to, uh, for the cattle and uh, also for the farming. And I was like, the irony. The, <laughs> I was like, I was, when I was reading, it's, it's, not, it's not lost on me. It's not lost on me. And I was just on some, these guys though, these guys though, these guys though, because 
the very same individuals, when you've heard about court cases, specifically when we talk about KZN and the Eastern Cape specifically, have always said, you know, we need to allow our mining to develop. However, that farm is not a commercial farm. It is a leisure farm. It's a leisure operation. But it is a commercial operation. Let me, let me explain it why is a I said that. Let me explain, not necessarily for accommodation, but if you look yes. at the kind of livestock research they do there, but also the beef exports to the UK, it is a commercial undertaking. It is a commercial undertaking, but we can also make the assumption that the mining profits would far exceed the current farming profits. That's true. How It's it, 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 it just for me the irony of using one argument in one jurisdiction and then using a different argument in another jurisdiction. Mm. Always to your own out always to your own favorable outcome. And that is what perplexes me. Um, um the fact that yeah <laughs> no the, 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 I think the most interesting part of that uh, Bloomberg note was since nineteen thirty seven. That's all I could think of was like Nikki Oppenheimer was not even born in 1937. He wasn't. At he all. wasn't. Mm. At all. Yeah. It was that Father Ernest. What was that the Father Ernest doing there? But I mean, it's a story for another day. But look, another effectively, I mean, Snesipo, these guys, you know, um, were very much part of, you know, that whole Anglo De Beers empire. Very much, you know, a dominant and leading part of the entire South African economy for, you know, over a century. And so. I think a lot of this shouldn't necessarily surprise us. But um, uh, I guess this high court decision now uh, also impacting a South African exploration firm because the company that ostensibly was yes. flying and hovering over there also a South African firm. Yes, uh, that's why I said the irony of the whole situation. It, it literally is that irony of that whole situation was that uh, many talks, many talks, who has the bigger, <laughs> who has the bigger checkbook? It literally was whoever has it. So um, per, per, per line mineral exploration, that's the company, that's the South African company. I think they just discovered. So they had exploration, right? And they were, they were starting the, the beginning. They hadn't even done any drilling. They were just mm. flying over and they were able to stop it, even post them being granted exploration, right? Is what, that's why I said the irony is not lost on me. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, these were the guys for the aviation business who also had many... Uh an executive member in a tailspin. So uh, certainly know how to use the courts. But let's shift our attention away from that. Um, I mean, you, you, you would be familiar with what people often say, Ngum Kesho. And I want us to talk about this, I guess, in the context of India, where people are making up siblings, uh, in some cases, killing by the stroke of a pen, their spouses and so on, in order to claim insurance benefits. Uh, what's happening? And I guess how, how unique is this to the... Uh, uh, to that uh, very populous nation out on the subcontinent? The bigger this gap arrives, the more people are going to try to close this gap in unscrupulous manners, and fraud just happens to be one of them. So so we set to expect a lot more of this. I mean, this, this is not something that doesn't happen here in South Africa, by the way. I guess in South Africa, they kind of only insure you when you're close to sort of your deathbed in order to make the odds much more certain. Yes, yeah, that's what I was, that's what I said I was mostly impressed by because the thing is that um, it's actually quite prevalent um, this insurance scheme in South Africa reinsuring people, insuring people for the purposes, and they usually it, it started I would say 
during the heydays of the HIV-AIDS pandemic. Mm. If you remember, that's when it started literally getting a grip. In India, it's more of a scam, not really tied to the country's disease burden, but as just an income source of fraud. But it, it like it's and it's and and, 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 and the reason why it was prevalent in South Africa for a long time, especially then people started killing, was because of the way we do um, the way us black people interact when it comes to matters of death, family, when people are sick. You sort of see that okay, this person's not gonna last another three months. You know, it's that level of community building. Mm-hmm. Which people take advantage of. But that's usually what what, what, what I've seen. But yeah, in India it's just a it it it's a it's a it's a scam. It's a scam and it's another form of earning an income. Sure. Then the other thing I want us to take a look at um, is this latest tie-up here, or latest partnership between uh, uh, Mozambique Rail and Transnet Freight Rail, um, which I guess might mean a lot more by way of. Um, you know, uh, volumes hauled on the rail line between uh, parts of Mpumalanga and uh, the port of Maputo. What do you make of this? And I guess, does it, um, you know, uh, give some reprieve to the mining sector? But also, I guess the downside is if the mining sector gets accustomed to uh, ferrying their stuff through the old Lorenzo Marx or port of Maputo, um, uh, rather than the N3 corridor out to Durban um, and in other parts, uh, even Richards Bay might... Uh, might create some challenges down the line. It has the same outcome. There is a bit of um, uh, hurting of yourself because it's not going through Transnet, um, which is say Durban. But there's another mechanism. It's, it's, a, it's a temporary solution, and I think that it's one we should explore more because that that fuel price knock-on effect is um, is very, very, very real and actually quite very expensive. Mm, mm. And, and I guess, I mean, just in this case, when one considers the infrastructure issues we often speak of, I mean, I, I wouldn't for a second think that Mpumalanga is spared from the kind of asset stripping that we've seen uh, of our rail lines. Um, so this might sound all good and well, but I mean, what's the capability of really implement, implementing it in earnest uh, when the state of the infrastructure might leave a lot to be desired? I'm, I'm sort of in two minds about it. I think there is some way to go with implementation. It is are more commodities going to be pushed through this um, this concessionary agreement or not? It remains to be seen. And can uh, the port of Maputo handle additional capacity as well? There's just so many questions to it, but I do mm. see it as a positive sign as at least coming up with a solution. Because it's at least it's yeah we do that every time. I mean, if I think back every on the, time that's what it says to me. Like that's yeah, what it says to me. I'm like, I guys, mean, you're like, well, well, like, like that's the thing because we all know the pendulum swings. We all know this. So I was saying we do that every time. I mean, in the 2000s, I definitely remember Transnet at the time having something called a market demand strategy where. They had felt, I guess, after 2010, that they had lost out on the commodities boom of the 2000s and now needed to invest, you know, in rolling stock and refurbishing the infrastructure and so on. It seems we're still here. We, we're back where no, we they, were they, they, they did do that, but... Benzenin. Benzenin. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. I'm saying the, the stuff they said they were going to do, 
something different to say you spent the money. But did you improve your rolling stock, refurbish, you know, your rail lines and your entire infrastructure to respond to a future commodity boom? Clearly not. Like, I think this is where we are. Yeah. Like, because for me, all of this uh, commodity mm. will only benefit in the next commodity. Mm. It, it's, 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 it's a much better system than the trucking thing that we're doing. And like, like I don't, I don't no, know. no, we're going to bring to Caesar. Um, we're not going to go to top, top. We're going to get the CEO of this division. The division that ferries all the stuff, you know, because yeah. if we get Porsche, we're going to talk about pipelines. We're going to talk about so many things. So let's just look at freight rail. Um, and maybe we might want to get uh, Sizam Zimela in. Uh, she might tell us quite a bit because she was also out at the SAA, uh, which uh, we're going to be talking about with Sam Kokele in the next few minutes or so. But last one, Snesipo. Uh, we're paying more at the pumps again. 1 July was also the annual fare increase for the taxi sector. We've also heard from City Power, Yanyukumbane, Randwater, Bagaratet, and Abubaza Tetangamanzi. What's happening? That's not very little control, but we're, not, we're on the receiving end. Unfortunately, we are on the receiving end of this. And ultimately, um, it, 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 and for the, this is one of the reasons, it's one of my issues with our current macroeconomic policy, specifically as it talks to primarily by wages and increases in consumption. However, it, it, like that's what affects me. Yeah, no, like, Snesipo, let's, really, let's not go there because, you know, the I reason why I say we shouldn't go there is because I think the Saab in the last rate increase spoke something I'm yet to understand about second round effects. And I think maybe somebody from the Monetary Policy Committee must come and explain uh, so, so, what so, they so, mean. So they're going to raise now, Bona. They're going to raise now. They're of course they need to come in. Of course they so they're going to raise. And we're looking at about a 75 basis point increase. But when we look at, and this is where, I think this is maybe, maybe because I didn't do economic 300 or 400. This is where they lose me. I fundamentally need to understand as, why are we why are we continuing to raise interest rates when the primary increase is not consumption but an increase in your cost of goods? Well, simple, Snesipo, there's a reason for that. That the Monetary Policy Committee targets and fights inflation, irrespective of the origin of that inflation. And this is uh, why and this is why I always argue that what they do is sometimes not in the interest of balanced growth. Because if you had a dual or even a triple mandate, the response might have been different. But our one... That, that I mean, we're a developing country. Yeah, we're a developing yeah, yeah. But, country. But, I mean, that's the point I'm making, right? That our policy parameters and the political parameters around which the central bank operates do not make, take into account a diversity, contrary to what they might say, do not take into account a diversity of other economic considerations such as balanced growth and employment. Because if they did then there wouldn't be the moment there's a specter of any inflation um, clamoring for interest rates as an instrument, even if that inflation isn't necessarily because the economy is overheating or not. So even in respect of being um, credit card usage has five days mm. of getting paid, this talks to, and you are increasing their cost of borrowing. Yes. Yeah, and this yes. is where, the, the, or, the, or, that's why I say, that's why I say it's when, I, when I look at the mandate, and I look at the fact that the fact that they don't consider the origin. I'm like, if we look at why this origin, this origin for increasing um, interest rates in the light of 
inflation mm. comes from wage-led over, overheating of economy. Our economy is not overheating. Exactly. But let's leave it there. Let's leave it literally. Let's yeah, leave it so, there. Yeah. Let's leave it. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. But I, I was being a bit flippant because the reality is that that is the as-is status quo position at the moment. And uh, if you want to change it, uh, well, I guess uh, it's political outcomes that change that. And uh, we're going to take a brief break now. When we come back, we speak about the politics of the DPE. Reach us on our uh, WhatsApp uh, voice, lo- voice note number. It's a new number. So uh, that's why we're probably going to have to listen in. Uh, but we'll certainly try and bring it to you. It's 060-552-7303. So maybe if you've got something to write this on, there's a phone or a pen and just jot it down. 060-552-7303. That's our WhatsApp number. Let's take a listen to those voice notes. 